0: Maybe big data has gotten too big. Whether you're a B2B marketer or a consumer brand, your data needs to be viable, relevant, and accessible so that Starista can help you retain customers, acquire customers, and make it personal. Welcome to the Marketing Star Podcast by Starista, probably the most entertaining marketing podcast you're going to put in your ear. I'm Vin, the producer here at Starista. The goal of this podcast is to chat with industry leaders and get their take on the current challenges of the market. And we'll have a little fun along the way. In today's episode, Aaron Walner, the chief marketing officer at Quantic, chats with us about how technology and user experience connects customer service reps with customers effectively. Give it a listen.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, hello, hello. It is me, Vincent Petrofesso. That must mean it is the marketing stir. Thank you for listening and thank you for all the amazing kind words that you're emailing us, that you are telling AJ and I when you see us at conferences, what a nice treat when people come up to you and are like, wait a minute, hey, I listen to you while I'm working out. I'm like, well, that can't be that motivational, but whatever, sir, keep on listening. I appreciate it. But it's so good to be here. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Just talk about Starista. It's the first time you're ever listening to the podcast, The Marketing Stir, stirring things up. Starista, we're having a conversation. Let's pause and talk about Starista just for like 14 seconds. Maybe it's more than that, but who are we? We are a marketing technology company. We own our own business-to-business data, business-to-consumer data. We help companies access that data and help them get new customers. Ah, new customers are fun. Who doesn't want? new customers we do that through our own email sending our own dsp connected tv email me vincent at starista.com i of course am the vice president of b2b products and partnerships i only deal in b2b but we do all of it so email me i'll point you in the right direction you are emailing me which i do appreciate not all the time is it for what i intend but it's okay you're listening and nine times out of ten you're trying to sell me but hey do your thing man do your thing it's so good to see this next person he is my ceo our commander-in-chief here at starista he claims that shirt's pink but i think it's orange because he can't escape the orange that's our colors ladies and gentlemen mr aj gupta what's up aj
2: hey vincent Bright day here in Texas. I'm actually going to be headed this weekend to play a uh, state tournament in Dallas. So we'll see a true test of human spirit when we're playing in 105 to 110 degrees. I know,
1: it's crazy. That's all I keep hearing. And the news is like all of down south, just that whole area is just record highs. I'm like, that is awful.
2: That's awful. Yeah yeah so and i think dallas is slightly hotter than san antonio so i can't uh, it's hard to imagine what hotter than san antonio feels like but we're about to find out in the next day or two
1: that is crazy i'm so glad you did not have anything there this summer i remember we're gonna have like a little the, the get the team together we're like what are you nuts it's it's august in san antonio no way let's uh let's save it to September, which isn't much different, I would imagine. But hey, I'm sure it's like three degrees cooler. But it's- I, great think, I think
2: you'll find the difference between 105 and 98 to be quite, uh, quite different. So. Oh, I would imagine. If that happens in New York City, it's shut down. They shut
1: New York City down. Everyone's opening up fire hydrants, which you could do apparently. I've, I've seen that many a times mm. in New York and I'm sure our our guest coming up is seeing that having lived in new york before but yeah you know people ask me all the time you know the question i get asked all the time about you aj is aj really good in tennis uh yeah i was like you know i was like i don't know why they they're judging you what are they judging you for i was like no he's good legitimately and it pains me to say something nice about him but especially (laughs) athletic wise but he's actually good in tennis people follow tennis Uh, U.S. Open's coming up, so that should be a fun time of tennis, so yeah, no, you are actually good. I was surprised.
2: I think you told that ping-pong story so many times that uh, people really started questioning my athletic abilities.
1: Yeah, they they did. Uh, Well, I don't know how much athletic ability ping-pong takes, especially the type we were playing at a holiday party after a few beverages, ladies and gentlemen, but you gotta see some people in the park here in New York City. I walked by these two people playing in the park. These guys are like on fire. I'm like, this is crazy. But yeah, I wasn't like that. Maybe it was beginner's luck, you know, sort of like your fantasy football season last year.
2: Oh, Oh, all right, shots shots fired,
1: fired, ladies and gentlemen, because the season's about to start, but enough about us. I will see you very soon in New York City. And I hope to see this next guest in New York City one day. He's no longer here. He left, which I'm very upset about. But I knew when I talked to him and our producers know this. And AJ, you even know this. You're like, how do you know someone used to live in New York? How do you know they used to be an East Coaster? I feel it. It's in our bones. And I'm sad that he's no longer here in New York, but we are going to get together, ladies and gentlemen, and I'm very excited for you to talk to this company, Quantic. It's a very unique company. I love the concept. I think the world needs this right now. Ladies and gentlemen, he's the chief marketing officer of Quantic. Ladies and gentlemen, Aaron Walner. What's going on, Aaron? Hey, Vincent, how are you? Doing great, doing great. Awesome to talk to you again. Yes, why did you leave New York? That's not one of the you know, questions I, I was like, why did you leave New York City?
0: Um, I guess I'm a follower, right? So <laughs> mid, mid-pandemic, um, there really was this bizarre exodus, right? I think that, you know, things got all shuffled um, and you sort of lost perspective, right? Because um, <clears throat> one thing every New Yorker shares is the love for their neighborhood, right? Like you love Tribeca, that's your neighborhood. And there's a relationship there. So I, the, my last stop for the last five years was Carroll Gardens in Brooklyn. Yep, love it. Um, and I had this like deep connection to my immediate area which changed so much, right? Like, you know, I don't, we don't need to rehash all the closings and the bizarre stuff that was happening at that time. Um, but yeah, so all of that definitely affected my wife and I, and uh, we just sort of um, found, found it to be the right time to pick up the family and move down south a little bit to, to where we're from. So uh, we're currently in the Baltimore area. We, mm-hmm. we both visit New York City regularly. Our offices are there. Um, and we missed it, but it's less like of a daily missing. It's more like, uh, hey, that was, that was a hell of a time. Um, yeah, so.
1: that, that's uh, awesome. And then you have ties to that area. Like you said, you're originally from where you are now. So I get And you know, a lot of people don't realize, Aaron, and, and these are not my official questions I want to ask. I'll get to those in a moment. But a lot of people <laughs> don't realize that when you're in New York City, there are neighborhoods and you are very much like it's rare that I go mm-hmm outside of the neighborhood, believe it or not. If it's like, you know, when someone now is like, oh, let's meet in Times Square. I'm like, oh, really? Times Square, are you crazy? But anyway, uh, well, you know, we're glad that you'll be coming back to visit and we'll definitely get together. But Aaron, let's get into it here. Quantic, for the people listening, tell us about Quantic and obviously the CMO role. Generally, we people know what that, entails but tell us you know sometimes there's different nuances so quantic and what your role specifically involves there
0: yeah um so we're a digital bank um so we're a financial institution that exists completely online that's sort of like the very basic definition um what sets us apart and i think that's kind of my job and some of the um some of the branding that i've worked on i just passed my three-year market quantic so Nice little milestone for me personally and a lot of my team that I you know, brought in over the past couple of years uh, have certainly helped a lot with this. But from a brand standpoint, what sets us apart is that we are a digital bank with a heart. Um, and that needs to mean something because that sounds kind of nice. But um, where we landed was uh, we have to acknowledge and accept the trade-off. If you're going fully digital and you're fully online, you're by definition less human, right? Um, and especially sort of given where we are, you know, um, we were just talking about the pandemic, I do think that people sort of at the end of the day, like connection matters, right? Good, good human customer service matters. And um, you see this all over the place across different industries, you know, uh, customer service being sort of emphasized brought back stateside, um, and that real emphasis on just, you know, amazing um customer service and how that you know you know creates a, a long-term business model so all of that to say is that we we acknowledge that and where that brought us to was um a more humane uh place for the digital bank right so we do have all sorts of new and interesting ways for you to interact with our people um, and so we have the digital bank side of the business we have the mortgage lending side of the business um, and there are some pretty cool differentiating things from both of those, um, both of those sides. Uh, from the digital bank side, we, um, we're innovative. Uh, and we could talk a little bit more about that. I'm sure it'll come up in, in different examples, but um, we put pressure on ourselves to innovate, come up with new stuff, experiment. And I think that, that sets us apart. Um, and then on the mortgage side, we are uh, CDFI, which is, you know, Another acronym, it's, you know, we're acronyms all over the place, but community development and financial institution. And so we actually have a mandate to, um, uh, you know, help people to, you know, lend to the underbanked, the underserved. And there's a lot that goes into that. And I can go into more of that definition, but there is that, that humane aspect in terms of, you know, who we're lending to. And it's a lot of the time, what other big financial institutions um, won't, won't do. Um, And we found a really good risk averse way to, to figure that out. So a lot goes into it, but at the end of the day, uh, we are a best in class digital bank with a heart.
1: I I love that. And we we do have a lot of questions around digital banking, the differentiators, why you think people are doing it? We'll get to that in a moment, but we, there's a few questions that if we don't ask, our staple questions. Boy, do our listeners get angry. So let's take it to that second question I have for you is how did you get started in marketing? People love hearing this story because nine times out of 10, it's like I was a religion major and here I am doing marketing. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to hear your story.
0: Yeah. It's like, oops, right? Like I think every CMO is like, oops, here I am. Um, So uh, similar story. Uh, so I was, I was a political science, um, major business minor. I flipped those two initially. I was a, a business major. Um, but you know, studying business, um, I don't know if you went to a business school or, or, or anything studying business is, um, it's just this weird, um, it's a weird thing to study, right? Cause it's such a, it's such a practical practice thing that w- when you're in it, it just like, that's where you learn all your, your hard knocks and your and your lessons and you gain all that experience like studying the basic principles of marketing um it's it's just fundamentals um and it's sort of like made up words for very practical things that we sort of inherently know anyway but um all that to say yeah i accidentally fell into it my first job out of school about 17 years ago was with this really amazing um uh, martech startup by the name of optimus so we were first First to market with uh, multivariate testing, right? So, you know, every every marketer worth the salt is is doing some form of testing and experimentation, maybe testing, web pages, products. What like, we're, we're, we're testing and measuring, and um, and that's kind of just an accepted approach uh, for for marketers, sort of you know across the board. But we were first to market with the technology that allowed. Websites in like 2006 and 2007, 2008, before we got acquired a couple of times, which was its own interesting journey, um, to break down web pages into um, you know, individual parts and um, to test them through regression analysis and applying advanced statistics. And that's really what set me along my path because what I found there was the marriage between you know, hard numbers and the, the measurability of marketing. And up until that point, marketing, you know, was fluff. I really sort of saw it as as the fluffy stuff. Um, and so that's sort of when I fell in love with with marketing and and the um, and sort of the harder side of of marketing and what what it really means to a business. So so off I went. I, I joined um, Sapient, um, which is now Publicis. Uh, shortly thereafter, spent a number of years on the agency side, working on mostly big projects for big big businesses. And that's where I sort of cut my teeth and got serious about all the rigors of, um, you know, managing a a big project and the marketing fundamentals and helping big companies figure out complex problems, really from the consulting angle. Uh, And then I sort of found my way into more fintechs, right? Because most of my clients from the beginning, just ended up being financial institutions, Bank of America, American Express, um, City National Bank. So this sort of was a natural progression. And uh, eventually I joined um, a fintech uh, as as the um the head of marketing and found my way to to Quantic a number of years ago. so so, yeah, I mean, you know specializing in marketing, um, the common thread throughout really being data analytics and and trying to be the master of um, of marketing from, from that numbers angle, even when it comes to the fluffy stuff, right? Even when it comes to the brand side. Um, and so that, that's sort of who I am as a marketer. My journey was not a straight one, a lot of zigs, a lot of zags. And I think like, you know, uh, I'd love to hear that, that one out of 10 you alluded to, who was like, yes, I was like out of the gate as a, as a young man, right? Or a, a, a young woman, I, you know, my ambition was to be a, a CMO. Um, yeah, I'd like to. I'd like to talk to that person.
2: Awesome, Aaron. Hey, uh, I know you guys are a digital bank, so we, we're curious whether that lends itself to digital marketing being the primary channel, or are there are there strategies you guys use to market as well.
0: Primarily digital, um, which you would sort of assume, but um, actually, this this is a, a a recent story. So last week. Uh, a few folks on my team went down to Orlando. There was a big, um, the big Florida mortgage convention, so we went down to support sales and really more, more from a research standpoint. And we got together, and this is also blends into the fact that we're all remote. So I try and find good, meaningful spots for some people on my team to to get together. So anyway, all this stuff sort of came together. One of the things that we did outside of anything sort of mortgage convention related was we um, we packaged up 500 uh, mailers ourselves and we did a little campaign we did a physical mailer and the um uh the insert basically was nice nice fun copy about uh, the only thing you'll miss from you know traditional banking is the lollipops that you used to get from the desk right i think we can all remember <laughs> that experience as kids right and we actually dropped five dum-dums lo- lollipops with this sort of nice you know message this like little clever wink which is a part of our brand we're constantly trying to like find these nice little moments to just wink at our at our customers in, in a fun way um and yeah so we we uh we, had, we actually there was clearly a, a marketing goal there so we pinpointed our 500 lowest balance high yield savings customers and we mailed them this fun little thing there was no qr code to like yay increase your deposit now or we, you know, our high savings is up to 4.5%, which is, you know, top of market. We didn't do any of that. This really was sort of a delight, sort of feel good physical moment where we wanted to sort of touch uh, a small subset of our, of our customers. So that's, that's an example of non-digital, but the lion's share by and large where, where we're spending money, where we're spending time is, is completely digital.
2: And Aaron, has the marketing strategy itself changed because of some of the uh, economic changes that are going uh, that are happening at a macro level in the banking industry?
0: Yes, but not as much as I feared. Right, and fear is the operative word. Right, like a, a potential run on the bank um, is a very scary thing. And so, <laughs> in in Q one, we all know about you know SDB and 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 the handful of banks that. Essentially, went under, right? And there really was a literal run on the bank. Each sort of had its in, individual dynamics, uh, and thank goodness it didn't, you know, didn't spread. But um, you know, I, I remember coming back from like a meeting, and I'm just in in, in an Uber, and uh, the driver was listening to, to talk radio, basically talk about how they're stuffing cash like under their mattress, right? So, I, you know. CMO of a bank, I'm I'm hearing this stuff and just sort of feeling this stuff and thinking, oh my goodness, like how much trouble, how much is this going to sort of spread, right? How much fear of banking um, is gonna spread and really sort of change things and, and therefore change the way we market and communicate to customers and prospective customers. So <clears throat> the truth is we adjusted a little bit. Uh, thankfully that didn't impact us directly. I mean, we saw a downward blip but it wasn't anything, anything significant in terms of you know, losing a you know, big chunk of customers. Um, and we actually benefited from it a little bit because I do think that it was the more regional uh, banks that were directly affected. Um, and so it's this interesting dynamic of if you've got regional banks in the middle and then on the other side, you've got you know, the massive financial institutions, you know, City, Bank of America, and so on. Then on the other side of the spectrum is the more nimble digital sort of fintech type type banks. So I think it sort of spread a little bit from, from the middle. Um, and we, we actually benefited from that a little bit. I think there was an increase in, you saw it in, in search and um, just the how active people were in terms of moving money after that happened. And so we ended up benefiting from that a bit, which is really interesting. But the, the short answer to your question is, yes i think we changed our tone a little bit i've mentioned that part of our brand is to uh, try and bring some joy and find those moments to you know wink and and sort of celebrate a little bit um and we we're doing that less right because i think there's a little bit more of a serious time from a, a macroeconomic standpoint um but thankfully not not all that much has changed i think that if you asked me four months ago i would have um you know, I, I would have been way more scared and our tone did change pretty dramatically for, for a period there, but I think I think we're back to sort of trying to be ourselves and, and recapture our sort of brand voice.
1: You know, Aaron, the, the first thing that I think of, right, with digital banking is, all right, well, where do I, okay, where do I find an ATM? What do I do there? Like what, what happens? I'm sure that's common. So how, how, how does, you know, think address that piece of it and also is is Quantic not only personal banking but is it is it mortgage loans as well talk to me all about that
0: yeah yeah so we do have a network um obviously these are not Quantic branded ATMs that wouldn't make much business sense but we have a network actually of 90,000 ATMs across the country so more or less wherever you may be it's not difficult to uh to take out cash now is it as easy as uh Bank of America no, but that's not the game we're playing. Um, but we do want to make sure that it's accessible and, and that you, you know that that part of banking that the, the cash exchange part of banking uh, through ATMs is not problematic. So um, we figure that piece out. We feel like just through our network of 90,000 ATMs across the country. Um, but at the same time, you know, um, how many financial apps do you have on your phone, for example? more two. than one
1: yeah about two maybe one and one for sure maybe two
0: well i think two is on the low end right i've got i've got like seven or eight i think the average <laughs> the average person has a has a few right
1: yeah.
0: um which means that people are not having that one-to-one banking relationship and so we benefit from that and in fact you know i've run campaigns with with my team directly hitting on that and so Uh, We did a little experiment um, through a few sort of more social type channels about being your side bank, right? Just like having a side relationship, like it's okay, we get it. We're not like, we're not trying to be your your main squeeze, like just try us out, right? Open up a high savings account, open up any sort of like, you know, uh, different checking account. We offer a Bitcoin rewards checking account, which is pretty amazing. So. so yeah, I think that it really depends on on your perspective. But I think strategically, for me, what I've learned over the years is um, if you could find the right way to turn a weakness into a strength, that can really sort of set you on a path to success. So for me, I tried to use that um, that notion that you know I have to have this big sprawling you know financial institution right that I can trust, and if I'm going to be on a road trip through Kentucky, like I'm, I'm not going to think twice about it. Um, again, that's basically true for us as well, but, um, we leaned into that a little bit. We leaned into the fact that, um, you know, you may not think about a digital bank as having that sort of coverage or trust, but, um, but yeah, so we actually found some success from a messaging standpoint with that too.
1: That's awesome. And you know you think, like you said, uh, it, it, there's not much in, in regular banking. I couldn't tell you the last time I talked to a teller, right? Uh, you know, when, when's the last time you go in and you talk to a teller? But I'm sure people still want that personal, some personal touch, whether it's a customer service rep or being able to talk yeah. to someone. How, how does Quantic kind of combat that? How do you lean into that?
0: Totally. Yeah. So um, technology plays a role and I think user experience, right, which is more, um, um, more the area that, m- that my team can directly help with. So we partner up with um, a company called Glia, which happens to be specifically for financial institutions, but it's, it's a video chat tool, right? And there's lots of different functionality and, and, and components to it, but basically we wanna make sure that you can see and interact with Quantic, right? It's not a robot. Yes, a robot may be involved in the, sort of the initial touch point or not, right? That's kind of up to you and based on the experience, but um, but that partnership uh, really helps sort of solve that problem because it's one thing to say that, hey, we, you know, bank human, bank Quantic, right? But sh- show me that, like, where where is that? Can you interact with a human? Um, and so we solve for that. We solve for that through, if you go to our contact us page, uh, you can interact with that, you know, uh, tool in the bottom right. Uh, you can see our customer service reps, right? Uh, you can co-browse. Um, you can hang out if you want, right? But um, we do have a, a small but mighty uh, team of real people um, who care, who are great. And that that part of the business has really been a focus for the past couple of years. Um, the The other thing is... Bringing that to life. So again, these are all sort of web pages. If everything's digital, it needs to sort of have this practical, you know, element to it. If you go to the contact us page, we need to show you that. And so you'll see, you know, the first thing you'll see when you load up the contact us page is a rotating video of real customer service reps waving at you that you're likely to see if you click um, if you click into the Glia tool. So um, you know, my, my team helps solve that with the, the customer service team and. I think, again, that's a good example of, um, you know, it's one thing to say it, it's another thing to to do it and prove it. And I think for us, we were able to actually uh, figure that piece out.
2: And you've worked at kind of a number of uh, startups and high growth type companies. What advice do you have for people that are trying to build up marketing teams and high growth companies?
0: It's really hard. Um, I wish I wish it weren't as hard as it is, but... So the the, the big thing that I learned is the tension between um, the need for, you know, short term, immediate big growth, right? Like that traditional hockey stick that every, you know, startup, they have a chart that says, hey, here's what we can do, right? And then go do it. And then a lot of that falls on the marketing team or the head of marketing, whoever that is, versus the long term health, right? And longer term metrics. And I think, you know, um, most most startups, um, it's funny what what becomes sort of um, trendy or popular. Like metrics are trendy, actually. If you if you sort of step back and think about like what metrics you know we all care about, or you know the traditional sort of startup uh, cares about, um, like this whole LTV CAC business. It's been around for like five plus years. Like everyone's obsessed with it. Um, that might not be the metric for you in that moment at that time, right? So I think the the biggest piece of advice I could give is don't just accept the, like the, uh, the common metric, the, the stylish, trendy metric that, that you were handed, um, challenge that, right? Know that there are different paths to growth. There's a difference between pursuing volume versus quality, the business model um, and where it's at and its maturity. And if you're early stage, right, um, maybe you do care about just true conversion and not, not longer term LTV type metrics, because you know what? A lot of LTV math that a lot of businesses has, that a lot of businesses have, it's just funny math, right? It's a lot of assumptions baked into this model that you know may or may not be fully true. So yeah, I think um, it's super hard. But um, you know, being choosy—one of the things that I try and teach my my teams—is um, what we choose from a metric standpoint, be it a campaign or just a, a broader strategy. That's where the skill is, right? I think that that really is a, a, a skill set to know and have an intuition about, you know, what metric and what goal to pr- to pursue given the situation. For early stage startups, it could be really tough.
2: In in terms of kind of quantics business and particular? Was there something that uh, drew you into the company when you first started?
0: Totally. Yeah, I think it actually had a really, um, a really great story. And I think that, you know, people at the end of the day connect with a narrative. Um, and then the Quantic story, um, starting as this sort of sleepy, hum- humble community bank outside of New York City, and becoming this national digital bank uh, with this very human side to it, uh, helping people, giving back, doing good. Um, I just love the story. Uh, so the story was a big piece of it. I felt like as a CMO, there's a lot that I can do with that. Um, that was sort of baked in. Because a lot of times, you know, you really struggle to to create a, a brand. At the end of the day, like a brand, I don't know. How would you define a brand? It's is a good question to ask anybody. How would you guys define a brand?
1: How I will would say, oh, go ahead, AJ. No, go ahead. I would say uh, a brand is anything that has a partnership or, you know, connection with their customers, Uh, you know, a brand is anything that you are, uh, you know, selling or your, uh, your messaging, your persona, I kind of tie those words in with a brand.
2: How about you, a j It's sort of kind of the sum total of uh, how the world views you. So, um, I've always said, uh, being from the uh, uh, services and solutions side, if we were to sell T-shirts, would probably get more respect as a brand uh, <laughs> than a solutions provider walking down the floor, you know. Uh,
0: so the reason why I love those answers is because it shows um, that you could really you can you could answer it in any in any, in any brand is and and so um Vincent you had that more micro approach you were describing the individual components that are a part of a brand, right? And then AJ, you talked about the sum total. And I I I I'm more of a big picture person. I love I love details too, but I think at the end of the day. When you think about a brand it, it is macro and of course underneath the hood are all those things you talked about vincent but the sum total of those things is um i would argue a feeling right so um what what's your what's your favorite tennis brand aj
2: uh i use the babalat brackets and,
0: yeah. people love baba right yeah um and so yeah. I mean, any sort of relationship that you have with a brand, I think there's some, some connection and some feeling to it, but it's the sum total. Right. And so right. did that, did that, um, you know, the tennis company do one thing that resulted in its brand? Probably not. Almost definitely not, but all the things right. put together and all their initiatives and, and tactics and promotions and sponsorships and and the product itself, of course. Um, yeah. So I love these sorts of conversations, but yeah, from, from, a from um From a brand standpoint um, and from a story standpoint, quantic really really attracted me and then of course, the, the second part of this answer is going to be much quicker the people um, and I think at the end of the day, what keeps people what keeps people in their job um, if you were to sort of you know drill down and what is the number one thing that that keeps people in their job it's people, it's the other people that they work with, and there's a lot that comes out of that, right like you know, I feel like I'm being micromanaged or I have no control, all the things that, all those negative things that come with, you know, surrounding yourself with maybe not the right people at work, right? And that might sort of force you to look for something else. At the end of the day, you know, it is it is all about the people. And we've got a great leadership team and a, and a great group here.
1: I, I love being asked questions. It's uh, It's not often we get asked questions and you're right. It's kind of like, I once heard a statement where they're like, no, your brand It's like, oh, this is my brand. It's like, no, your brand is what how people perceive you. So it's like people make your brand that that's kind of you know, how, how they see it. That's uh, I, I like that. I like that question because you're right. It's like two people, just different answers. And yeah. that's kind of how you think about it. Let's let's stay on on brand here in the sense you, you mentioned in the beginning, New York City. It was kind of almost a regional bank, if you will and then you started scaling nationwide. What was that process like? What did you find? What were some of the challenges, Aaron?
0: Yeah, it was fast and furious. Um, so uh, obviously there's like the compliance piece and um, you know, we had to like grow our legal counsel. So there, there was real you know, practical backend stuff that we needed to do to, to, to get that national charter. Um, but once we had that in place, it was actually going out and sort of proving to ourselves that we could, from a bank perspective, it's more straightforward. Because once you have that national charter, you know, and especially if you're online, you know, if a, someone applies online for <clears throat> a checking product from Montana, we now have a customer in Montana, right? So there's, not much, there's not much to that. <clears throat> However, with the mortgage lending side, it really is more complicated because you need to have people sort of Selling in those areas. So it was more challenging from a mortgage standpoint, um, but it actually happened quite quickly once we got all the pieces in place.
2: Aaron, one of our staple questions here on Marketing Stir uh, has to do around LinkedIn. I'm sure with kind of the uh, places you've worked and the titles you've held, you get a number of unsolicited messages on LinkedIn. So we'd love to know what's a message that gets a response from you and what's one that really annoys you?
0: Yeah, they're mostly annoying, aren't they? Um, annoying. <laughs> so, so let's start there. I, so I don't like, um, I like to assume people are smart. I think this is just very broad philosophy, right? Like, you know, do, do you assume people are, are, are smart or not? And I think like tricking people is really sort of um, undercutting that, that you know, um, optimistic philosophy. So anyway, all of that to say, like, I can tell if you're tricking me, right, (laughs) like, like a, a message that is sort of, you know, um, where the subject line might say, like, you know, hey, uh, like following up or, or even like, go Terps, I went to University of Maryland, the Maryland Terrapins, right, like, um, and that's not even necessarily tricking, that's just more of like, um, obviously, an, an approach, but um it insinuates like you know you, you you know me you know my background um so yeah i think more often than not um it, it it can be perceived as like are you are do you think you're actually like getting one over on me or even pretending like they found an issue with something or that it's it's an existing relationship like all, all that stuff doesn't doesn't work in my opinion so assume assume Uh, Positive intent. Assume people are smart, and um, look. Starting a conversation is never easy, and I think that you know over the past few years, where LinkedIn really has become um, incredibly popular, and therefore it's brought in all this um, you know mass marketing and all all this um, outreach that we that we see today. It's hard. I think it's really hard to cut through the clutter. I'm trying to think about what what cuts through is a real offer actually i think the this may have originated on linkedin uh if if i'm not mistaken so um so yeah i think if you've got a real real proposition if you've got a real conversation if you've got a real um real real value um prop it's never easy because a you're cutting through the clutter um but yeah so expect to be ignored i think largely speaking but um but don't try and trick people.
1: You know, I I like that. It's like, you, know, you assume people are smart, but I also feel like a lot of the things that are sent are bots that it's, you know, hello, you know, Aaron, you work at, you know, Quantic incorporate. I'm like, come on. you know, Who says incorporated? Like no one says that I think so. Yeah. It's one of those things. You gotta have to be, you know, careful, but yeah, every, it's funny, after 140, 145 of these, there's never been a marketing professional on the podcast who's been like, you know, you know, just yeah, send me 17 messages and make them, you know, very impersonal. Um, but yeah, it's kind of that uh, you got certain things that the stick. So Aaron, we're getting to the end of the podcast here, the personally, let's get to know you personally, what do you like doing on the weekends, you have the family there? what uh you know some hobbies what do you like doing uh who do you root for sports wise i'm wondering you've been in new york a long time but you're from that area you know is it is it the dc teams is it the baltimore teams talk to us
0: yeah it's um i i'm I'm hometown so i grew i grew up in the you know dc maryland area so it's it's those teams um there's some overlap with uh with Baltimore because the, the, the Washington Nationals didn't exist when I was, when I was coming up. Sure. So it's nice to actually, we currently, my wife and I and, and, and child live in, in the Baltimore area. and So it's cool to sort of have that home team back, but actually be you know 15 minutes from the, from the stadium. So I've gone to a bunch of games. Um, yeah, hobbies. Uh, last night I, I played hockey. So I play hockey twice a week. I'm on two different ice hockey teams. I keep that up. And every year that goes by, then I'm still playing and, and kind of competing. I think, uh, AJ, you can, you can relate. It's like, thank, thank goodness that like, I'm still, I don't know. I'm, I'm feeling really thankful these days that I can still sort of go out there and compete and, and, you know, be productive and play kind of a physical game. I think, you know, with age, you just get more appreciation with that stuff. Um, so yeah, I mean, between, between, uh, the family and, uh, we um my wife ha- has three siblings in the area uh for example we we covered for my brother and sister-in-law we had their their kids at our house for a couple of days so there's always family stuff going on i love barbecuing and grilling and hosting and um you know exploring the city we sort of split our time you know, weekend trips we had to go into the city you know just check out restaurants and stuff in, in baltimore or um, there's a bunch of farms and breweries and wineries, you know uh, 20, 30, 40 minutes away as well. so um, love taking little road trips, love hopping on my bike. I miss biking. I bike rarely, but I, but I miss in New York City, I was on my bike basically daily. Um, so as a fairly new suburban suburban night, I'm sort of re- reorienting and sort of refining some of these some of these hobbies also
1: yeah. Now that that's amazing cuz yeah you, you, like you said the Chesapeake Bay there's all these different areas there where you know you don't know, you think Baltimore you know you think like that downtown area with you know Phillips what's that little uh, harbor but it's yeah there's so many great things about the breweries that's uh you know that's awesome and I love that stadium my goodness the the where the Orioles play it's beautiful probably one of the nicest yeah. stadiums I remember Going to a game there, in my hotel room could see right into the into the stadium. It was pretty. Yeah. Uh, it was yeah. pretty uh, pretty unique. But uh, that's amazing, Aaron. We we appreciate you sharing your story with us, ladies and gentlemen. Check out Quantic out there. You know, if you're you know, banking, you're looking to get away from the traditional uh, guy, or or like you said, a second, uh, you know, uh, option there. But uh, really look into them. That's Aaron Wallner, ladies and gentlemen. He's the Chief Marketing Officer at Quantic. This has been another episode of The Marketing Stir. That's AJ. I'm Vincent. Let's hope Team Starista wins in Dallas, ladies and gentlemen. Have a great day.
0: Thanks for listening to The Marketing Stir podcast by Starista. Please like, rate, and subscribe. If you're interested in being a guest on the podcast, please email us at themarketingstir@starista.com. And thanks for listening.